This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Many rare disease organizations are resource-constrained and depend on the kindness of volunteers to provide specialized services and capabilities that they may not have in-house. Sean Gordon, a high-tech sales and marketing specialist, discovered the need after he was diagnosed late in life with a rare disease. His solution has been to create the Rare Funding Team, a free service that matches rare disease organizations to volunteers. We spoke to Gordon about his own diagnosis, the work he does through the Rare Funding Team, and the need he's trying to fill. Sean, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time, Daniel. Appreciate it. We're going to talk about Rare Funding Team, how this came about, and the gap you're trying to fill. I'd like to start, though, with you. You were diagnosed as an adult with a, a rare neurological condition. How did you come to be diagnosed? So my disease is adult polyglucosan's body disease. As the name suggests, it's a disease that afflicts people in their, as adults. Many diseases, unfortunately, are childhood diseases, but this disease always really kicks in when you're in your, in your sort of late 50, late, late, your late uh, 40s. And that's sort of, it's happened with me. My, my walk started slowly to decline, and I had no real good reason why it was. I went to ortho, an orthopod, and he just said, there's nothing wrong with your knee. So I went to a PT, and she suggested that maybe there's a neurological problem. So I went to a doc, uh, I went to a neurologist, and then through a long journey, which anybody who's in the rare disease world knows, I was diagnosed with a, this rare, uh, neurological disease. And that sort of caused me sort of my next evolution in this process of starting rarefundingteam.com. How does the condition progress, and, and are there treatments available? So the, the, the disease is a, a lack of, a, a lack or, in, or the inability of the, of, the, of the body to adequately metabolize glucose. So rather than producing glycogen, which most normal people do, we don't. We produce instead a bit, a bit of glycogen, but it, but it also we produce something called polyglucosan, and polyglucosan is a, a is is rather toxic to the nerves, both in the central nervous system and the peripheral nerves. So it it so what happens is you you get usually the three three things three problems that most of the sufferers have. Number one. And most common is they have bad gait. They walk. We walk very poorly because the muscles aren't the the, the, the brain and the, the and the peripheral muscles don't communicate well. Number two, you have, most of us have problems of urological problems, 
And number three, some in a very rare cases, there's problems of of uh, of, of uh, dementia. So those are the three things. And to date, there there is no uh, there is no cure or even treatment. Uh, we all of us take we take medicine to, to sort of handle some of the the problems of gait problems or urological problems. One promising uh, element is that we're having a, a local trial here in Israel to uh, improve, to find it, not to cure it, but to just as a treatment. So, so yeah, there is no treatment as of to date. What was the process of you becoming engaged with rare disease organizations, and how did your perspective of the rare disease world change with your diagnosis? That question really relates to, and I relates to the question you asked before was how I got it is, is really the gap that I saw in the marketplace or in the, in the community. So I, when I became, when I became, uh, when I became diagnosed with this disease, it really put a name to a problem that I didn't really know about, which was my gait was declining over time. So because of my declining gait, I had to go on, on long-term disability for my job, which was in sales and marketing for high-tech companies. So, when I when I left that work, I decided I I decided to what am I going to do with my time? I have some experience in marketing and sales, so I then wanted to use that experience to help the rare disease community. And I noticed from talking to a lot of people in the community that there was this gap between the need to communicate digitally with through the web, through Facebook, through mar- mobile, and the ability and the in the lack of talent or resources that many small rare disease organizations have. So through the engagement with the rare disease organization, through meeting with them on the phone and in some cases meeting them personally, my, I really got a massive, a, a massive sort of high communicating with uh, people due, just due to the amazing energy and passion they have to help their fellow man. So that's how my, how my uh, perception changed. There are some large and visible rare disease organizations, but by and large, many organizations are started by people or parents of children with a rare disease. How would you describe the landscape from an organizational point of view? So, I'm because I'm looking to help. Uh, in my, in my, I mean, sort of a general perspective that there was sort of sort of large and small. I mean, probably never, ever, all, 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 everywhere in between. My sort of the area that I typically deal with are the smallish organizations, because the larger ones already have resources, internal resources for to do websites to do digital marketing. So I typically work with the smaller ones uh, that that have very limited uh, resources, both in terms of human resources or financial resources, to be able to to uh, create a great digital marketing story. So, from my perspective, the market, the, the communities are much, the, the organizations are much smaller. We're talking about moms. We're talking about just today. I was on a phone call with a woman who she herself has a disease, and she's really a one man or one woman band, and she connects with organizations all over the world. So, those are the kind of people that I usually work with. As you looked at these smaller organizations, how would you describe the need? So I think there was a I think there was a phase that a lot of the disease organizations sort of knew they had to come out with a website, they had to knew they had to come out with a, a Facebook page, 
but now the chips are much higher. Now they have to have a very high-level page, a very high-level uh, social social media presence. And so I think the next we're sort of like I think on the next as we're the phase two of the of the digital marketing world by small so the spy by these organizations if they have to now kick their game up a little higher and that's where the de-resource constraints are, are really coming in because they, they they threw something together at the first phase now they're, they're the quality of their product is much lower than the market in general because the market in general has much higher expectations so these organizations also have to have high expectations and number two because a lot of a lot of rare disease websites are news driven, new breakthroughs, uh, treatments, uh, trials, it requires these poorly funded and poorly resourced organizations to keep up with the news, and that takes a lot of effort on their part. Uh, and also, needless to say, with the need to put things out on Twitter today, Twitter moves very very fast. So, so just it requires a lot of, of attention, a lot of resources to keep, to feed the digital marketing beast. So those are some of the things that, that I'm seeing that these organizations are challenged with. You've had a career in high-tech sales and marketing. How did your own professional background figure into this, and what led to the creation of the Rare Funding Team? So because I was in marketing and sales, I sort of saw the world in those terms. I there was the old expression for a man with a nail, everything's a hammer. So I saw the world in marketing terms. I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm not an academic. So I couldn't really contribute to the world, to the, to the rare disease world through my, through any scientific knowledge. So all I had was my marketing and sales experience. So I thought by bringing that to the, the table, I could help them. And it really was even strengthened by a conversation I had with a, executive director of a very large rare disease organization, and he suggested that given my experience, my background, this is something that in these are his words, I can make the most impact. How do you describe the rare funding team, and, and what does it do? So it sort of, I envision it in one way, and it's slightly, I would say, changed over the, since I was, I started about, about 14 months ago. So originally I thought it would be more like a job board where I would find projects for rare funding organizations and put them on a job board. And then volunteers would then go on the site and, and they would kind of be just sort of most of a job board where people would sort of find each other on the platform. So that was my first idea. What's changed to now is much more of I, I would call it a, call it a, uh, of a hand-holding uh, process where I work more closely with the rare disease organizations and help them shape their projects and then go out affirmatively in the marketplace looking for people of that specific talent. So, whereas my original idea was the site would do most of the, I would say, brokering between the projects and the, the volunteers, I'm doing much more of the brokering. Do I'm, I'm really much more doing, I'm hand-holding, which I'm really liking a lot because it gets me much more connected to the rare disease uh, organizations. I'm understanding them a lot better. I think making me a better much better uh, advocate for them, and much better ability to go and communicate with the volunteers. How do you match volunteers to organizations? What kind of talents or services do you focus on? So I'll, I'll do the last question first. The, the, uh, the most, most of the things we do today, are most of the requirements I'm getting today are almost exclusively websites, websites and social media. 
we when I started out, there was much more a broad a broad stroke of uh, of marketing of digital marketing requirements, search engine optimization, content creation, graphics. Today, I'm seeing less of that. I'm doing much more of the uh, I'm doing much more of the um, those those sort of website creation projects. So, the, the, I guess your first question. I guess your first question: How I do? What's the process? So the process is really either I talk to I talk to rare disease organizations, or number two, I get referrals from other rare disease organizations. They say, "Oh, we know Sean, and we know rare funding team does good work. Give him a call, or, or not give him a call, send him an email." Or, or many times now, I'm I'm seeing I'm being pinged on on a Facebook or on LinkedIn. So I usually have the first begin the, the first process begins with understanding their projects. Then number two. I go out in the market looking for usually website people in three different ways. Either number one, I post a project on what's called Taproot, which is a massive international, uh, as we call it, database of volunteers. We have 35,000 volunteers in general, 15,000 of whom are marketing people. So I usually try to go into that, go looking for people on Taproot. Number two, I have people in my own my own uh, sort of background, people I know do this. And number three, I often find people on LinkedIn. So those are the three the three ways I try to go about matching the rare disease organizations with the volunteers. The name Rare Funding Team might suggest you intended a different approach when you started. Why the name Rare Funding Team and is there a plan to do something more than just match volunteers to rare disease organizations? Yeah, that's good. It's a great point, Daniel. The original idea was to create a a, a, a platform for rare for for crowdfunding for rare funding organization for rare disease organizations. Hence the name rare funding. Uh, and I have a website and a URL for for rare funding. I even I even partnered with a, uh, a, a a a platform that does crowdfunding sites. I was so I was going as I was going about kind of trying to get some background, get some ideas on how to do that best. As I mentioned before, I ran into on the phone a gentleman who runs a large uh, disease organization. He suggested I drop the the refunding element because there's a number of modalities today that already do that. I should really find, I really focus more on the marketing end. But I'd already, and I know this sounds maybe stupid, I'd already, I already bought the URL. I already sort of had done some, uh, some branding. So I, I just appended the name team, team suggesting there's some sort of relationship between creating a team of people to help them. Uh, going forward, I have, I do, I still have the, the capability of doing a rare fund, a, excuse me, a crowdfunding site. Although I think it's less and less important, so maybe I should, I, that's a good point, Daniel, maybe I should go ahead and change that name. You've been at this for about a year and a half. How many organizations and, and volunteers have you been able to match? So I've done about, I would say, 10 different projects in that period of time, and I'm currently in, in turn working with four right now. So I have quite a lot of, um, I have quite a lot of organizations that I have relationships with. I mean, I've had a number of organizations who've started and sort of stopped. With, and in fact, even just recently today, I received an email from a woman who we were going to do a revamp of her uh, of her uh, website, but she just 
around because of a personal situation, she had to drop it. So I've I've started and stopped with a number of organizations because their personal situations. Again, this is very common in rare disease organizations where you're talking about a very narrow uh, group of people who do an enormous amount of work. So they just get busy with personal sicknesses themselves, children, work. So I've get, I've engaged with many many more than the fourteen, but those are the total ones that we've closed. We've closed uh, as, as you know full full on projects. What's the feedback you've gotten from organizations you've been able to to match volunteers to? So I mean, you know, they've oh, they've told me it's nice. You have to ask them yourself, Daniel. But uh, I've I've gotten good feedback from, from the people I've worked with. I've have some I've returning a couple returning organizations that have wanted to do more new projects with me. Uh, so I think it's been I think it's you know I feel it's been positive. Uh, I know I know that many of them I'm sort of like the as an organization of last resort because many organizations just don't have a place to just don't know where to go for, for this kind of volunteer support. So even many times, even if I've been helpful, even if I haven't ever even able to find a volunteer, but just helping them over the phone, work through their projects and try to focus them. I think they've, they've gotten benefit even just, even, even when we didn't complete a project, just having helping them frame the project in a better way Understanding the pro- the marketing process a little bit better, I think that's also been helpful, even even without a completed project. What do you hear back from volunteers? Do do they find something qualitatively different about doing this type of work for a rare disease organization? Yeah, I mean, we have I have a couple of people that that are more. And I'm not, I mean, the number of people I've worked with, they they sort of do it. They I don't we just sort of say goodbye and like that's it. But a number of people, mostly friends of mine who I'm closer with love working together with the rare disease organizations because they're, such, they're so nice. I mean, many people I'm talking to are, are professionals in business, and oftentimes, and that's how to say all people in business are not nice, but they're not as appreciative as the uh, these rare, rare disease organizations. They're just so appreciative of, because, again, we're the organization of last resort. There's really not many places for them to go to get these resources. So, again, even if... So when they work with people, this is very happy and very appreciative of all the work that they dedicate to them. How can an organization or volunteer reach out to sign up for the service? So uh, thank you for asking. What they can do is really con- connect with me on, uh, on by email on sean.gordon at rarefundingteam.org. And I will, you know, I'll return their email. We can connect over the phone. They can just leave a phone number for me. They can go on my. They can go on our funding team on a Facebook. So those are the sort of two modalities, and then I can then make. We can then make a phone call. I usually have a first sort of introductory phone call. Talk about if they're a rare funding organization, what they're looking for. If it's a volunteer, we can find out what their what they've done, what their what their what their time constraints are, and what their expertise is, and then then we can go from there. And there's no cost for this. This is all volunteer. There's 100 percent volunteer to uh, we the. The, uh, the, the, the rare disease organizations pay nothing. The, the volunteers, obviously, is volunteer. And, and I, as my organization, gets receives no money. Sean Gordon, founder and chief volunteer officer of the Rare Funding Team. Sean, thanks so much for your time today. And thank you very much, Daniel, for your time as well. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. 
to keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.